0: Welcome to the NCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Mann, and today I am talking to our guest, Shaney Watkins, and I've had the privilege of serving on the ACTE Region 5 Policy Committee with Shani over the last few years, and, and our terms end this year, but I know that our friendship will continue on, and I'm so excited to have her on the call because she's doing some great things in Washington that I know that everyone who's listening will benefit from learning from her and uh, getting some ideas to use in your own districts. Uh, Shani is currently the director of West Sound Technical Skills Center and is the Washington ACTE past president, and is just doing some amazing things. So welcome, Shani.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, so so tell us a little bit about your CTE story, your journey, how you got involved in career and technical education, and how you got to your current role as a director in CTE.
1: Sure. So um, my story begins actually uh, as I went through school, grade school, elementary, middle, high school, Um I was told from the time I can remember that I was going on to college, and I was the first person in my family to go on to college, and didn't really have an understanding of what that meant—just um, that you go to college and then you get a good job and then life is is lovely. And as I was going through school, I ended up getting an accounting degree, so I have a bachelor of science in accounting, and went out to work in the world of accounting, which at the time was um, Still very traditional in nature where you worked very much independently on your own. And I had spent much of my time in accounting teaching other people how to use technology because technology was fairly new. Internet was new. And so teaching people how to use Excel spreadsheets and how to use different software programs. And from that, I found that what I loved about my job in accounting was teaching other people. So I learned about a traditional business education program, um, went back to school, got my business education degree, worked in business education, doing a variety of um, classes and um, teaching, and just really loved it. And from there, I went into becoming an instructional facilitator and helping teach other people how to become um, good teachers and effective teaching and career and technical education and just kind of really liked that I had the ability to help influence and help solve problems for kids to be able to learn about um, what they loved in school, what they were interested in, and then also what they didn't like um, and helping them e- explore that before they got to college like I did um, and earned a degree that they then didn't utilize. So. That's a a quick version of how I sort of got into CTE. Um, And then really with current technical education, it's um, not just a job for me. It's my passion. It's something that I believe in wholeheartedly and believe that what we do helps kids be successful in their lives. And so that's how I got involved at the state and national level as well as just helping to understand policy, helping to understand um, the world that we live in and how can we best prepare our kids to be economically stable in our world.
0: Wow, and all of that, I, I can only imagine that your staff and students appreciate that you've you've experienced CT, you've lived it, you've breathed it, and it's just a part of who you are. And especially now, when um, when this, you know, these are tough times for everyone with the pandemic and COVID nineteen. I can imagine that having someone, having a leader that that really gets it, uh, is huge. And and with that, you know, we saw the news of what was happening in China. You know, my sister was actually teaching in China at the time that the pandemic started and moved to the Philippines and from there was supposed to be flying home. And unfortunately, flights have been canceled. But, you know, I watched this happen and, and unfold in other countries. And yet somehow... The school shutdowns here in the United States, the stay-at-home order, it wasn't on my radar. It was almost as if I felt that we were invincible here in the United States, which is absurd when I think about how we had all of the clues in front of us, but I feel like a lot of other people felt that too. Um, So I'm just curious, at what point did your school shut down in your area or your schools in general and your center, and how much time did you have to prepare for this move to remote learning? That's a great question. So
1: in our state, there were a couple of, um, I think we were the first state actually that had a, a, positive test for COVID and it happened, um, Northeast of Seattle. And so the Northeast of Seattle area, um, shut down somewhere around April 1st and, Um, So we had heard that they had shut down, but the rest of us were sort of insulated. Like you said, it was happening, even though it's in our same state, it was happening somewhere else. And people didn't really, you know, they shut down for a couple of days, everything was going to be good. And then um, we started hearing rumblings that there might be a couple of weeks of shutdown around spring break. So they were looking at maybe we take the week before spring break. And then spring break, and then we've had a couple of weeks to let our buildings um, clear out of people and so, you know, help them sanitize everything down. On a Friday morning, I was in a meeting with principals Friday, um, March 14th, or March 13th. I'm sorry, Friday the 13th. That's how I remember it. Um, Friday, March 13th, I was in a meeting with principals where they said, okay, we're shutting schools down today. At the end of today will be the last day of school for our students. And so my staff were notified at noon that day that they would not be coming back with their students um, for at least two weeks. And so it was really, there was no time to prepare for any remote learning. There wasn't any time to go from that sort of wow, this is happening somewhere else to, oh my gosh, now it's here for us. And we've got to figure this out. We've got to be able to turn this around immediately. Um, It was really quite fast.
0: Wow. And the irony of it being announced on Friday, March the 13th. (laughs) Oh, wow. And you know, And so many of our our teachers in current technical education, they come from industry, and that's fantastic for these hands-on learning environments. They're experts at their craft, and they thrive in that laboratory setting. But moving to a remote learning environment, it has unique challenges, especially for us in our field um, when we do have so much in-person learning that that involves this high-tech equipment, involves supplies. So as a CTE director, how have you approached these challenges and this switch?
1: That's a great question. So, um, you know, we talk about readiness. Every one of our instructors are at a different readiness level. My 3D animation and gaming instructor immediately had all of his students online together in a collaborative environment and was, Um, holding classes like normal. And then my construction teacher um, was still trying to figure out how to get onto Google Classroom to support students. And so we really have looked at this sort of as an individualized process. Where can I meet the instructors and their needs? And then how can I help them sort of change their paradigm a little bit about the learning and what it looks like in a distance model, particularly when you can't have, you know, um, a student's not going to have a full setup with a 3D printer at home or a welding set um, that they can utilize. And so we have looked at a variety of different ways of helping um, through technology and through non-technology activities. So um, many of my teachers are now going in and they're developing their own Um, short videos of how to's and demonstrations. And so that's been really fun to watch them go in and actually um, connecting with students in that sort of unique, different way for them. And then um, they're also doing some things because they can't watch kids go through the hands on portion where they, you know, perhaps um, walking through um, a particular type of bead for a weld, for example, they're providing them with um, videos that they find or that they develop that maybe have something incorrect in the procedure and process. And so they're working really on what are those steps? What are the steps you follow? And how do you know when the steps are not followed correctly? So they're just trying to find some different approaches that um, keep kids thinking, even though they may not be able to physically do those things right now.
0: No, I I absolutely love that. I remember when I taught culinary arts and I would try to come up with substitute lesson plans if I had a PD or had to be out because I was sick. And I wanted the kids to have something engaging and interesting to do since they couldn't do a lab with me. And uh, that, was, that, that is a fantastic idea to do both now, but even after we return to a normal environment, that could, that could be something a little bit more engaging that uh, teachers could do.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, wow. And it, it's just amazing to see how people have transitioned because I, I was a CTE or a director of PD for a, a CTE district and um, I just remember the technology classes that I, that I would teach, and a lot of folks didn't know even very simple things like how to organize their inbox or how to do a screen clip, how to capture their screen. So, so it really truly is amazing to watch these people turning into. Um, tech wizards learning how to do online platforms, create videos, and to uh, teach in a remote environment. When this is so new for so many of them, so it's it's uh, awesome that you guys are doing this individualized process and not expecting everyone to be at the same level uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are some other um, lessons that you've learned about? getting teachers acclimated? I mean, do most of your teachers already have technology at home or was this something that had to be provided? What's the reality as far as the teachers moving into remote learning?
1: So the part that's really funny about that is that I have two teachers that where they live, they do not have internet access. So just like our students that might not have equitable access to technology, I have a a couple of teachers that, um, are what we would call probably tech phobic and do not have access at home. So we've had to find different ways to help solve their connections with their students and um, helping them get connected technologically so that they can support their students and where they're at. Um, So it's been kind of fun to um, try to help them you know, through we do a lot of. I know everybody's kind of using Zoom or Google Meets these days, and so to sit in Zoom and and share how to do different activities for students, and how do you find different um, video clips, or how do you download things, or um, things as simple as how do you take that and save it because some of them are, are not quite at that savvy stage yet to understand how technology works. So um, it's been really fun. And then I have a couple that um, profess that they do not like nor use technology. And yet they are my rock stars right now. They're creating videos and uploading them and um, connecting with their students in a variety of ways. So they're not just using, oh, well, I did a Google Classroom, so, you know, it's good. Um, They are Really meeting their kids where they're at, and um, they're taking this time to really learn how the technology works so that they can improve their craft.
0: You know, and that it really is exciting to see people who formerly had been just opposed to even learn new technology really embracing this. And I think that once we return, you know, to a post COVID era then we're going to see folks uh, just even more um, phenomenal in their practice because of these technology skills that they're learning. And uh, my apologies for the dogs in the background. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they calm down in a moment. They were taking a nap in, uh, earlier, but yeah, that d- did not last very long.
1: <laughs> Mine is taking his oh. nap right now. So oh. The mailman doesn't come. We're good.
0: Oh, exactly. They have to scare them off every day, right? Yes, <laughs> their big job of the day.
1: <laughs> <It's> very important.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so with you know, with the re- remote learning piece, you mentioned that you have teachers who do not have internet access. They're dealing with what students are dealing with. So what are some innovative solutions that you and your staff have come up with to address these equity issues for students when it comes to the digital divide or even other equi- equity issues that we're seeing arise with remote learning?
1: That's a great question. So in um, I was actually working with my staff this morning a little bit on our weekly meeting together on where do, how do we meet kids where they're at? And how do we help them? So we have um, one young man in particular um, that is homeless. And his one reason for getting up every day was that he loved coming to his fire science class. And so that young man was in class every single day, no matter what, didn't matter what had happened the night before, he was in class every single day. And we were talking about him in particular because he doesn't have access to technology. He barely, you know, he doesn't know where he's going to be from day to day. And, um, the instructor has found a way through some friends of that student to connect with him, make sure that they're following social distancing expectations, but also be able to give him materials and support, um, being in a little bit more of a physical environment together to be able to help one another um, because the student doesn't have access to technology, doesn't have a telephone, those kinds of things that we often take for granted in our environment. Um, and so the conversation today, while it was around that one student in particular, it was really how do we help those students? So we've, um, For some kids that we have that were in foster care, for example, we've purchased their internet for the next three months so that we know that they can access. We've provided them with Chromebooks so that they can access um, the lessons for their learning. And so we're trying to find ways to reach out to those kids, understanding that in some cases, like the young man that I was talking about, we can't just go buy him internet for three months and support him that way because there isn't a stable environment for him to be in, um, to be able to access that. So we're trying to find different ways of um, supporting them.
0: Wow. And what a testament to, to our programs. I've, I've heard so many stories of students who that truly was what got them up in the morning. That's what kept them in school. That's what caused them to graduate was because they had a program that was meaningful and that kept them in school. So, you know, it, re- it says a lot for your fire science teacher, but also just for, you know, there's other students who we sometimes don't even realize. We don't know that story and that that is what what keeps them going. Which, which brings me to you know if i'm correct your state recently announced that students are not returning to school this year
1: correct we are not returning to school
0: wow so that that has a huge impact on on teachers students on everyone
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: um, and and I can imagine just like your student who is disappointed about the fire science class there's just so many students who've been preparing for CTSO state and national competitions, um, end of program award ceremonies, just all of these things that come with completing completing out a year. Um, how are you handling these disappointments when uh, when things are being canceled and there is uh, just that crushing feeling that these kids are experiencing and teachers are experiencing?
1: Absolutely. So we. Um, as a tech center, we do not actually graduate students typically, but we have what we call our annual senior celebration. And it is this amazing event that we've put together that started out five years ago with um, you know, a handful of parents coming and all the kids in their different colors of gowns for their graduations. And we just celebrate them for the work that they do with us because they're with us half their time. And this year we've really been struggling we thought oh we'll be back you know by the end of the end of the school year so we can still do that ceremony or that um, celebration that we do and having that announcement was just devastating because not only do our staff look forward to that our kids and their families look forward to it and so we've decided that what we're going to do is have, Rather than have a teacher parade where, um, you know, the the young kids in the elementary schools have had some of those parades where they drive by and the teachers are there and they wave and smile and everything. We're looking at having our senior celebration as a drive-through celebration where all of our staff um, are lined up in our parking lot and the kids drive through with their families and we can celebrate them and congratulate them on, on a job well done and let them feel a little bit of that peace that they are missing right now. And so that's one of the things that we're doing. The, the students with the CTSOs has been really challenging because we have so many seniors in particular that... We're moving to the state level and in, could have been moving to the national level in terms of competition. And that was just kind of wiped away. And it's, it's very devastating on those kids. And um, trying to help them understand is, is really challenging. So um, our one young man in particular that is a construction student, he won first place at the regionals and he was so looking forward to going to the state competition where we anticipated he was going to do very well um he's just a rock star kid and um and is a senior and he just doesn't even know now um it it's just devastating for him so we're trying to celebrate him in different ways um we have we have some special scholarships that we do through our foundation for our students, where they can earn either a scholarship for school, or they can earn a scholarship for the materials and supplies and equipment that they need for whatever job they're starting post graduation. So um, it's unique in that it's not just around school pieces, and we're we're planning on. Um, holding that as a Zoom celebration for our students who apply for that scholarship and having them and their families um, part of that recognition ceremony, even though it's online, um, but giving them that access so that they can still engage and participate in that.
0: I absolutely love that. I've never heard, and I've been in CTE for so long, I can't believe I've never thought of this or heard of this, having that Having something other than just scholarships for post secondary, and actually giving them the tools that they need for their for their trade that they're entering, that is phenomenal.
1: It's wow. awesome. Our foundation is fantastic, and the treasurer um, loves finding deals. That's that's something that he's really involved in, so he can get often for kids twice the materials wow. <laughs> for the $1,000 scholarship. So um, they come out pretty set up. It's fantastic.
0: Oh, I am definitely going to be suggesting this model to organizations and to um, it get, because I, th- I think about when I was a culinary arts teacher and I had students who competed in CCAP and they had the choice sometimes that they could choose between a scholarship to go to culinary school or they could have an a, a position that they would go into a job a paying job that they could walk into and that would be their reward in, in lieu of that scholarship and then they would give them money like you said to be able to purchase their knives and whatnot but that that really could be applied to pretty much any of our of our program areas
1: yeah it's amazing it's um, when you look at our students and you look at the way that our system shows success, not always does it mean going directly onto a post-secondary learning. The reality of our world is that everybody's gonna continue learning in some capacity. Um, The way that technology changes and the way that jobs are changing, everyone will be doing something. But to recognize those students who typically don't get recognition in a traditional system and honoring and respecting their choice to go on to a career right away versus doing um, schooling first, I think has really changed the perceptions for a lot of our students.
0: Oh, I can imagine because it really, truly sends the message that it's either and that both are equally acceptable and needed of value to, um, to our society. Absolutely. That is great. And, and I love the drive-through celebration. That's the first, that is that is so fantastic. I love that. And, uh, doing the zoom celebration and, and, you know, making sure that the families are able to, to feel that, that pride for what their kids have accomplished as well. Yeah. All right. And, um, let's see, I feel like I skipped one of the questions here. What. What has been the biggest success or aha moment during the last um, the last month with completely transforming a complex system? And especially considering for you guys, it was less than 24 hours. you found out on noon at noon on a Friday. Uh, so I'm sure that there have been some some things that you're so proud of that here we're traditionally so slow to change anything in education, but look what look what's happened. I
1: am fully impressed with my instructors and their ability to really, I think they took that weekend and went, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And came on Monday, we had our first meeting set up as a group um, through technology using Zoom and having them go, okay, this is what I think we, you know, will be helpful for our kids. What are you doing? And what do you think? And watching them just come together and that synergy around how can we help our kids and what's it going to look like and how are we going to make this happen, I think was my biggest success was watching people that I have worked with for years who've maybe sometimes um, not been quick to change or Um, not understand when change is necessary to improve a system and to watch them just say, okay, we're doing this. We're taking it on. We're going to make this successful and we're going to do what's right for our kids. And watching that and hearing that was just incredible to me.
0: Wow. And I've seen so many examples of folks just coming together, their willingness to, share the resources and, and folks who are taking away the fees, you know, it used to be everyone wanted like the teachers pay teachers lessons. Those are now free, but ever everyone truly wants to help build each other up and that's what it should always be about. And it's, uh, it's exciting to see the lessons that we're going to look back at after, after we get through this pandemic and just, uh, you know, really grow as, as a species, um, because, because of everything that's happened.
1: Yeah. I, um, agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that, you know, we talk about, or we hear people talking about, oh, when we get back to normal, and I don't think we're going to get back to a normal, I think we're creating our new normal. And I'm really excited, honestly, for what it's going to mean for us and what it's going to look like and how we, as a, Environment and as a people come together more to really collaborate and do things differently. I'm really excited to see what we do.
0: You know, and that's I I I like that you pointed that out because I think that that's something we do have to remember and remind our students too that it's not a matter of yeah things are going to be the same again because. They're not, and in in some ways, we're going to have a lot of improvements, um, but we'll have a lot of lessons too. I was talking to a board member from Ohio yesterday, and he referred to it as the post-COVID era, which I'm I'm adopting because I think that that actually it, it sums it up. It's it's not back to normal. It really truly is just a post-COVID era.
1: Absolutely, I agree.
0: And, you know, yeah. and we're, we're learning a lot about every, for years, especially in career and technical education, we've acknowledged the fact that standardized testing truly doesn't do justice to what our kids are learning. And now suddenly we're having to change everything with that. So with school, with not, um, with the announcement that you're not returning to school this year, what's going to happen with grades and requirements and tests that they would, that normally would take place?
1: So that's a great question. So, Um, It is one that, um, particularly in the field of career and technical education, I think is challenging. Um, Talking with my automotive instructor, and we're talking about students who get dual credit for the courses that they take with us so that they earn their high, uh, high school credit and they also earn college credit. He says, how do I help them earn those competencies when I cannot walk them through or see them take apart an engine and put it back together? And really discussing... How can we, again, go back to those steps and things like that to help recognize the learning that they are doing and how to support them in that? And then our state has really come forward and said, more or less, student grades are frozen where they're at. Um, So when we left on March 13th, whatever the student's grade would be frozen, except that if they go back and do previous assignments, they can improve their grade. So those students can go back and if they felt like their grade wasn't where they wanted it, they can turn in and submit projects and um, work that will compensate for those pieces, which is great. But then the state also says we have to continue to provide new learning for our students. So for every traditional 55-minute class that a student takes, they should have approximately 30 minutes of new learning four days a week. Um, So for us, that translates to about six hours a week of new learning that has to be put online for students to, or not necessarily online, but in a distance format, um, for students to be able to complete and participate in. But the challenge is that work, the new work is either Um, pass, um, meaning they get a P for it, or it's no credit because we don't want to hold against any students that don't have access or don't have an environment where they can learn in right now um, at home. And so it's, it's a real challenge to figure out how to incorporate that understanding that there isn't a direct requirement for the kids to do the work even though the work is expected.
0: So that part's challenging. (laughs) Well, and it reminds me of something you said at the at the beginning before we started recording, you mentioned the Boeing example of building the plane and flying it at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And this, this is truly what's happening because I'm am, I'm am here. You're saying that your district is requiring new learning. Where I hear in other parts of the country, they're not allowed to give new learning. It can only be review. Yeah. Um, so there's there's just going to be so so many lessons that come out of all of this, and I'm sure that our system. Is forever transformed as a result of this, and in many ways, that's that's a really good thing. Um,
1: yes, absolutely. Uh, oh wow!
0: Well, you know, in closing, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners?
1: I would just like to say to remember to give yourself and others grace. That this is new and unique for us, and we are creating our new system. Um, of education and of career and technical education and what that means for our students. And remember to give yourself grace, to give your students grace, and just keep doing the good work that you're doing.
0: Oh, that, that is beautiful. And that's such an important reminder. Thank you for that. All right. Well, I'm sure there's going to be folks who have questions and they want to continue to learn from you and what your district is doing. Uh, what, what's the best way that folks who are listening in today can get in touch with you?
1: I can give you my email address.
0: Perfect. If you that works. Yes. Thank you.
1: Okay. So it is Shani, S-H-A-N-I dot Watkins, W-A-T-K-I-N-S- at west, W-E-S-T, sound,
0: S-O-U-N-D, tech, T-E-C-H dot O-R-G. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I really appreciate you being a guest. I know that this is a crazy time of year and you have so much to do. So I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and expertise. And also thank thanks to our listeners for tuning in. Um, please be sure to join NCLA as your professional organization if you haven't already. And if you would like to be a guest on a future podcast, please email me at info at ncla.com dash cte.org, which I'll include in the podcast description, or even if you have topics that you would like for us to address in future podcasts, please reach out and share your thoughts and ideas. Thanks again, Cheney, and uh, wishing everyone a safe and healthy spring as we finish out the year.
1: Thank you so much, Rachel. I appreciate it. Thank you.